Thank you, Eric, and the music team. Happy Sunday, everybody. We are into a whole new season now that uh, Easter is complete, and so we're moving into a new series on tending our garden with the lessons that we can learn from our garden. So how many of you here are gardeners? Quite a few. My garden is not so big now, but I used to have a huge garden. And there are so many lessons that I learned from it. So I'm looking forward to this series and to sharing some of those ideas with you. And So this idea of tending our garden, uh, you know, we, we go back to Genesis, the scripture in the very beginning, and humankind, we're told, was placed in the garden, right, in the Garden of Eden. And of course, things happened, and we find ourselves outside of the garden. And now we're constantly trying to get back to the garden, whatever that means. Today we're going to look at the idea of uh, attending our soil, preparing our soil, and how that can help us to return to this garden, this garden that here we are creating here on earth together. So as I was thinking about that this week, I watched this uh, video on YouTube. I'm going to send out the link in our e-blast this week called Living Soil. And it's this idea that our soil is alive. So I go back to a reading, one of my favorite readings from James Dillett Freeman, which is entitled, uh, One Morning in My Garden. And in that reading, James Dillett Freeman is trying to find something that's not alive. And so he says, you know, surely the earth, the earth isn't alive. And then he kicks a clot of dirt and realizes, no, even the dirt is teeming with life. And this is something that we tend to forget, that the, the soil that is standing under it all is teeming with life. It is not inert. It is not dead. It is life-filled. At least that's the way it was created to be. So in this little film that I watched on living soil, I found out that underneath where we stand is 10,000 pounds of organic matter in the soil. That would be like the equivalent of two elephants. 10,000 pounds of organic matter that's alive, just under where I'm standing. And if you think about those two elephants above the, above the soil, right, it takes a lot of food to feed those two elephants. Right? And in that very same way, that 10,000 pounds of organic matter that is there under my feet also requires a lot of food. So what is there under that soil? Well, there's bacteria, and there's fungus, and there's nematodes, and there's earthworms. And they all work symbiotically together in relationship, right, to create this healthy, nurturing, living soil. So, for example, there's a, a fungus that grows on the roots of the plant that takes the nitrogen from the air converts it into oxygen for the plants, who then provide carbon for those bacteria through the root system. It's this perfect symbiotic relationship that takes place. It's the way it was designed. Healthy, living, alive soil. But what we find today is that on our planet Earth, we have not been doing such good care tending our garden. And as a result, over the last 100 years, it's been estimated that we have lost 50% of the organic matter in our dirt 
through the oxidation that's taken place through our current farming practices. 50% of our organic matter lost. In fact, the current prediction is that in 60 years, we will no longer have good topsoil left. We will have depleted it all. It sounds pretty depressing, doesn't it? But there are ways that we can overcome this. And as human beings, we have this wonderful intelligence that helps us to meet these moments of our challenges with, with new ideas, sometimes old ideas. So back in 1997, uh, in Maryland, on the Chesapeake Bay, there was a great uh, algae bloom that killed off a bunch of wild animals, uh, the fish, right? Killed them off. And so the farmers at that time got into a disagreement with the ecologists of that time because something had to be done. What they realized and recognized what was happening in Chesapeake Bay was that the runoff from the farm fields was entering into the waterways, entering into Chesapeake Bay, causing this algae bloom and causing the fish and aquatic life to die. But the farmers were there saying, but we have, we have to grow our food. We have these farming practices, and this is what we need to do to grow enough food. And the ecologists were there saying, but if you continue with this, it's not sustainable. And so rather than continuing in their disagreement, at that time the farmers and the ecologists came together to find a solution. And so back in 1997, the solution that they decided upon, one of them was simply to use cover crops. In our current farming practices, 90% of all the farms that are out there, what they do is they go in and they till up the fields. We're starting to see that happening as spring arrives, right? They go in and they till up the fields. I don't know if that's me or must be, huh? <laughs> Loose connection. They go in and they till up the fields. And in the tilling up of the fields, that's how we start losing the nutrients. That's how things end up in the atmosphere instead. So by planting a cover crop, it provides a cover for the soil. And what happens is that the, the plants themselves that are the cover crop add nutrients in the soil. And then at the end, when that cover crop is done, it dies that dead matter, that organic matter that is the cover crop, then begins to be incorporated into the soil. And in the process, it provides nutrients to the soil. The soil gets healthier, and you don't have that runoff. So we have solutions. And the important thing is that we recognize and realize, again, the symbiotic relationship that we share with the soil, you and I. We tend to think of it as, you know, something separate from us. And how has that happened? Thinking again back to uh, over Lent, we talked about this evolution of consciousness, right, that took place. And so there's been an evolution of our farming practices as well, beginning many, many thousands of years ago when we were simply hunter-gatherers, and we would go searching for our food. And then it evolved, and it became that we, we became farmers, and we started to plant crops and take care of those crops, using hoes, working with our hands. And then that evolved, and then we were using farm animals to do some of the work that we as human beings had been doing. And then that evolved, and suddenly we were using machinery to do what the farm animals were doing. And in the process, you and I have gotten further 
and further removed from that process of not only growing our food, but understanding this relationship that we share with Mother Earth. 95% of what you eat came from the earth, from the soil. So it's important that we, we think about these things. Now we can also learn some great spiritual lessons from this. For example, that cover crop eventually has to die and be incorporated back into the soil. So I started to think about our own lives, my own life. Like, what have I planted as the cover crop in my life? Right? To, to nourish and protect the soil, the, the things that are happening in my life. What is the cover crop? that you have planted in your life. God. Work. Friendship. Community. Meditation. Peace. Love. Faith. Gratitude. So we we engage in these practices, planting cover crops over the activity of our lives that will nourish whatever is happening. Now here's the other interesting thing, that, that that organic matter dies and is incorporated into the soil. So one of the interesting things, if you're a gardener, you understand that if your soil needs to be amended, whether it's too sandy or whether it's too compacted or whether it's too much clay, there's one solution for each of those things, those gardeners who are here. What is that? Compost, organic matter. Like you guys are so used to my using props. I didn't have one last, last uh, service, but Talissa went and got me a prop. She said, here's your prop for next service. And it's the, what the kitchen angels use here, right? They put... The organic matter, the the fruits and the vegetable peels and the coffee grounds, and it all goes in here and eventually gets put out into the compost bin that we have out there so that we can incorporate it into our soil. But this, and if you feel this, if you come up after service and feel it, it's warm. It's alive. It's living. It's dead matter being transformed into something that gives life. So that got me thinking about those things in our lives that are a struggle for us. Those things in our lives that feel like death sometimes. Those things in our life that we feel like we have no control over. Those things in our life where it's a challenge. It might be that you've received some kind of a health diagnosis or your body is in some way not feeling well. And we start to feel like we have no control over that, especially when those challenging diagnoses come about. We feel like there's nothing I can do. My body has betrayed me. There's the, the challenge presenting itself. But right within the challenge of that, right within the darkness of that, right within the death of that, life in your body is the opportunity to incorporate 
whatever it is that you have planted as your cover crop into that experience so that you can be renewed into new life. Right? If you experience the, the death or transformation of a relationship, whether it's the loss of a spouse or a partner or your child moving away or a best friend passing away, whatever it might be, when you have that experience in your life, that challenge, that death, what do you do with it? Whatever you have as your cover crop, God, prayer, meditation, forgiveness, compassion, understanding, love, whatever it is, you take that and you incorporate that experience so that it can be raised up to new life. This is the Easter message, right? If you're experiencing any challenge in your life, whatever it may be, the solution comes from taking the time to incorporate what you know into what is occurring so that what you know about God and about love and about the spiritual side of life can resurrect you into that new life. That is simply there to serve you, just like the dead organic matter can be incorporated into the soil to create fresh soil, so too can these challenges within your life be incorporated into the activity of your life to resurrect you into new being, as long as you're willing to see it that way. My parents are here today. They're visiting. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I mentioned that because where my parents live in northern Michigan, their soil is sandy. You know, the water just moves right through it. It doesn't hold in the, in the soil. So what do you think is the solution for that sandy soil? <laughs> right. Right? Organic matter of some sort. You incorporate in. And in that that same way, think about your own life. Think about those times in your life where, you know, you forget. You forget these spiritual teachings. You forget these spiritual ideas. And it feels like everything is just moving through you in such a way that it's hard and it's challenging and I don't know what to do. You're not grounded. You know, you're not taking whatever is happening and incorporating it with that that understanding of God and bringing you to new life, that's what you need to do. Because that's the solution. Take what's dying and use it to resurrect you to new life. Now, when I lived out in Austinburg, we had the opposite problem. We didn't have the sand that they had. We had the clay. Anybody here got clay soil? Right? So what's the solution to clay soil? Compost. Organic matter, that which is dead and decaying, or so it would appear, right? Do you catch that? We would call it dead matter, but it is filled and teeming with life. And so in the same way, you know, when, when we are so filled up with our own ideas, right, that, that we get bogged down like that clay soil, it's just, withers up the plant because there's so much water there it can't sustain life in the same way that if there's sand and there's not enough water, it withers up and it can't sustain life. 
the solution is always the same. Fresh, organic matter that appears to be dying but is filled with life. What is that fresh, organic matter for you? Are you incorporating it in? Are you using it so that something new can come about? This is what it means to prepare our soil. I went out, Gary and I, we were up in Alaska a couple of years ago, and that's when I first found out about how new soil is created. So we were on a tour, and uh, they were talking about how it starts with rock. And then on top of the rock, mosses begin to grow. And then on top of those mosses, little plants begin to grow. And in the process of that, the, the roots from those plants and those mosses begin to create soil on top of those rocks. And then over time, over a long period of time, over thousands of years period of time, eventually you can't even see those rocks anymore because a forest will be there. As the soil was created from the organic matter that that showed up there. And I've thought about that, right? Like, it took time. Our current farming practices are about saving time and money. So let's just get this done the quickest, most efficient way possible. Let's just go out and kill those fields and put down those chemicals and put down that fertilizer and grow our crops. But you see what's happening with that is that we are losing our harmony with this Mother Earth, this living organism. Now in the same way, you and I, we might be looking for those quick fixes to our times of that darkness. But we'll quickly get rid of this for me. But we'll quickly transform this for me. And I believe that what it takes is time and relationship. Remember, it's all about relationship that's happening down there in the soil. It's all about relationship when the soil is being built up from the rocks. It's all about symbiotic, harmonious relationships. And so if if your organic matter, which I'm assuming that it is because you're here in Unity Spiritual Center, is God, is God, spirit is living these spiritual principles, then what you have to understand is it takes time to resurrect to new life. And you have to be willing to give it that time. To develop that relationship with God is helping you to prepare the soil of your life. So it takes more than just coming to church for an hour a week. Is there anybody that you are really close to in your life? Somebody that you really value and treasure your relationship with them? Think about it. And think about whether or not just spending an hour with them once a week would really develop that relationship. Or does it take a little bit more than that? So in that same way, we have to be willing to do the work that we have to do to develop the relationship with God that we are developing so that we can have the understanding to integrate that into all of those challenging experiences in our life, just like that organic matter, so that we can be resurrected up into new life. 
in our bulletin today. On the back, the first quote listed there is from Emily Cady from Lessons in Truth. The everywhere present spirit of absolute good or God is the foundation principle of truth. I feel like every single one of our series begins with this idea. Where do we start? God. Right? We start every time with God. That's always our foundation. Always our foundation. So here we are again. The foundation of anything is that which stands under and supports the structure that rests upon it. Thinking about that inert earth that we walk upon without even giving it a second thought, that is alive and teeming with life, that guess what? You and I with our naked eye can't even see. Those little tiny bacterias and funguses and nematodes, we can't even see them, but they're there. It's teeming with life. And in that same way, we may not be able to see God, But we know God through the activity of our living, and we know that the foundation of our entire life, the foundation of all that we are going through, the foundation of all that we are standing on is God itself. The principle of anything is the source of its origin. Therefore, the spirit of absolute good is the framework upon which all creation stands. That absolute good that created a world that is so perfect in its relationship that it knows how to create healthy soil if we just don't get in the way. So I have to keep practicing and practicing and practicing. How about you? You'll recognize our spiritual practice this week. It's not the first time it's come to you. This week, become aware of the divine. First thing in the morning... Come aware. Start your day. Begin with God. Begin with that organic matter that is God and incorporate that into every aspect of your day today. You could begin with prayer. You could begin with meditation. You could begin with an inspirational reading. Before you get out of bed, you could be grateful. Prepare your mind and heart for the activity of the day. You could call into our daily prayer call that takes place Monday through Friday. Whatever you choose, make it an intentional time to prepare yourself for the day ahead. See it as your time of planting that cover crop. See it as that time of incorporating the organic matter of that cover crop into the activity of your day. See it as the foundation for the rest of this series that will be taking place. Right? Who's going to join me in that? In Psalms we read, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. You will most notice how these ideas can help you and support you and transform you as you give your energy and your time to practicing these ideas. Meditate on God day and night. Now I know that probably sounds like a lot of work. What? Day and night? How am I going to do that? 
moment at a time. One breath at a time. One step at a time. But the fast way, the easy way, it usually doesn't work. Have you noticed that? It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes energy. But you will resurrect a new life. I'm open for that. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. So let's do that. Thank you and God bless.